Father, I want to thank you so much for your presence in this place this morning. God, we're asking for you to do something that only you can do, that you would bring us together for a time such as this, this morning, to shed some light in our life, some hope for the people that are hurting, for people that are struggling, maybe, maybe people that argued on the way to church. Boy, that's never happened, has it, God? People that have things going on in their life, in their job, with their kids. God, can we just tell you that today we're not okay in so many ways, but yet we come to you in a place at a time where you're going to do something supernatural. God, where we believe that you're going to move in a way that only you can. God, I'm asking for blessings on your people that came here to seek you, to gain some hope, some truth, some light. God, we need you. We love you. We sing about your living hope, God. We want to experience it. We want you to do something that only you can do, God, and we will give you all the glory. We love you so much, God. Do what only you can, God. Change us from the inside out that we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen. You can have a seat, church. It is good to be with you today. Um, I, uh, well, we're in a series. Let me say this first of all. We are in a series called, Why Is This Happening? You ever ask yourself that question? Like, why is this going down in my life? That's what we're looking at in this series. If you're new, if this is your first time at Meadows, I got to say it. I know Casey did. I got to say it again. Welcome home. We're so excited that you're here. And uh, in this series, it's been incredible. And today, rather than tell you exactly what we're talking about, I got to share a story to set it up. A few years ago, um, my daughter Ava, Ava's, Ava, Ava never, never knows what I'm going to talk about her. So it always makes it fun, doesn't it, Ava? Yeah, you love your dad, don't you? Yeah. So a few years ago, Ava's at the dentist. And uh, so she goes to the dentist, and the, and the dentist is like, it looks like Ava's going to need braces. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty common, it seems like. Uh, I, I know nothing about that. I, luckily, I never had to have braces growing up. In fact, I'll tell you something about me. I never went to the dentist until I was 17 years old. That's, I, I'm going to, I got to sit down with my mom and actually talk about that. That's a problem. So, but uh, luckily my teeth were fairly straight. So I, I don't, I don't know a lot about it, but I knew that, okay, it's going to cost some money, whatever. So we go to the orthodontist and they, they do a, a, a real thorough check of Ava's teeth and they sit down with a package. And we sit down, and my wife and I are sitting there, and they got this folder. Beautiful presentation. I mean, they open it up. There's straight teeth all over the place, glistening, pretty. And I'm like, this is awesome. This looks great. But you know what I'm looking for? What, the price. What, how much is it going to cost? Okay. And I'm looking, and I'm searching, and I'm like, yeah, this is all great, but what are we talking for money? Now, the funny thing is, my wife Jody's had braces before, but she mentioned nothing about the price to me, like nothing. I think she's like, I'm going to let them tell them, you know? Because I'm thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost a few hundred dollars, you know? Braces can't be cheap. Yeah, that's honestly, I'm thinking it's going to, you know, it's going to set us back a little bit, but, you know, braces can't be that much. Metal, you know, it's little, little tiny pieces. It's nothing. So they, they, we, they, she finally flips this page over, and she's, like, telling me how great it's going to be and how Ava's just going to be all this, and she gets to the bottom, and she says, and there's your price. And I looked at the price, and I kid you not, my first thought was, does that include a car? I'm, are you kidding me? Or I, I'm like, I couldn't, I could not believe it. And then she says, then she says, now do you want to, if you, you can pay that all today or you can make payments. I'm like, oh yeah, let me, let me grab some cash. Out of my, no, I'll make payments. Okay. Pay it all today. Are you kidding me? Who am I, Buffett? I can't do that. Jeez. So we're making payments. Like we just bought the Dodge Challenger that I don't have. And, uh, it's insane. So we pay on this for, for years. Ava, you don't hear that you're not worth it. You are, okay? I love you. You know that. But it was a lot of money. So anyway, we're making payments. And just when we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, um, Jake, my youngest, goes to the dentist. Now, you know where this is going already, don't you? I, 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 I'm beside myself telling you the story. Jake is at the dentist. The dentist comes out, and, and he gives me that look. And he says, you know... And I'm like, oh, don't you dare. Don't you dare. And he says, it looks like Jake's going to need, what? What? Jake's going to need what? I'm thinking, a, a toothbrush? I'll get him one. He needs to floss? I'll force him. I don't care. Do not say. And then he says it. He's going to need braces. And I'm like, you, I could, I'm like, no. Let me see his teeth. I'm like, they don't look that bad to me. I mean, they're pretty, they're crooked, but they're in his mouth. That's a plus. Okay. Could be worse. He, 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 Jake, can you eat food? Yes. Good. You're good. You know, crooked teeth, that's kind of character. And Jody's like, sweetie, he's going to need braces. And I told Jody, sweetie, you need to get a part-time job. Okay, that's what I just, I'm like, come on. 
I couldn't believe. So just when we get done of paying off this sports car that's in Ava's mouth, Jake has to get. I'm like, are you kidding? And I think to myself, we, like, we cannot get ahead. Like, we, you're kidding me. I cannot believe how expensive this is. And Abel, we're not even going to get into the story about the retainer and the dog. I'm not even going to tell that story today. But hey, retainers, a piece of plaid. Anyway, so, oh, Lord, we need you in this place. The, the title of today's message, you can turn to your neighbor and ask him, why can't I get ahead? Ask your neighbor right now. Ask him, why can't I get ahead? Like, I ask my, I'm like, God, Jesus, you promise abundant life. Doesn't that pertain to every area of our life like including finance why can't I ever get ahead I pay this off and then that breaks down I do this but then that's more money and it's like and and so we look to God and we're like again Jesus don't isn't isn't that part of your promises the reality is it's got to be it's got to be part of the promise about helping us in financial situations because Jesus talked about finance more than anything else blows me away more than love, more than salvation, more than forgiveness, that he would talk about finance. Now, as I say that, somebody in the church, you know, you're already getting tense. You're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. My friend finally comes to church and we're talking about money. Sweetie, hide the purse, okay? I don't know what they're doing, but normally they're gonna pass an offering at the end of the service. Just relax, okay? Just chill, kick back. There's no, we're not gonna do any special offering at the end of the service. We're actually gonna do one right now, okay? So I'm just kidding. No, we're not kidding. So if we did do a special offering, it would be it would be for needy kids, okay? Namely mine. I'm just telling you straight up. That's what it would be for. But we're not gonna do that. But we are gonna look at God's word because it's incredible that that God, this is what's crazy. God wants something for us. Like, let's step back for a second. If Jesus, who we I think we can agree, Jesus wants the best for us. That's I hope you know that. If you don't, he does, trust me. Jesus doesn't need anything from us. So if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, like spoke about cash more than anything else, okay, he's not doing it because he wants it from people. He's doing it because he wants something for people. So this, and I've told you this before, if you've come to this church for uh, any amount of time, probably you've heard me say, when we talk about finance, my, my heart is that you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I hope they're talking about money. But I honestly hope you think that. Like, most churches are scared. I'm like, why would you, you want your pastor preaching to you about this? I promise you. And if you don't understand why, you will at the end of this service. I promise you. You will. You, you, for, for, uh, especially you're bringing somebody who doesn't know Jesus, this is the service you want them at. I kid you not. It, it, it might, it sounds so counter, countercultural, but I'm telling you it's the truth. But the fact is, most people, they don't want to go there because they think somehow in our brains it's immediately like, oh, the church is wanting money from me. No. I, I'll, t- I'll say what I've always said. Take money out of the face. Don't care. Do not care about that. It is not about that. I, I, so take the pressure off yourself right now. People aren't living under the umbrella of God. And that's why we can't get ahead. So 78% of Americans, just in America, paycheck to paycheck. Many of you, right? Me for most of my life. Paycheck to paycheck. That's normal. of people, so about the same amount, 8 out of 10, say money worries have caused them to lose significant sleep. Okay? You ever ever worry about something so much you lose sleep? I have. I have. And then Ava, when I did fall asleep, I'd have this nightmare about these big giant braces, like, chasing me. So it was bad. So anyway, so, but think about that. And then a recent survey, so this is a current one that I just found this week, a recent survey found that even people with comfortable incomes and net worth, they still have significant fears that their savings is eventually going to run dry. So even people that would say, you know what, I've gotten ahead in some areas of my life and financially, there's still a plaguing fear that, you know what, as I get older or as I reach the twilight years, it's going to run out. So we live based on fear, not faith. Say faith. You're going to hear a lot about faith today and, and God's promises today. But what I want to remove the stigma like people get worried about, oh my gosh, they're going to want something from me. No, no, no. I do want something for you. Jesus wants something for you. That's what you're going to hear today. That's why it excites me so much. I wrote, you'll never get ahead by living in fear. You'll never get ahead by living in fear. Jesus wants something for you. So the scripture I'm going to give you is found in the gospel of Luke. Luke 21. If you bought a Bible or you got the mobile app on your phone, go there. 
Um, and if you don't have a Bible, let us give you one at guest services for free. We want to do that. I, I, I need you in God's word. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. It's the number one way I've grown spiritually. But you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. So Luke 21, Luke is a gospel. That means it, it's good news. That means it tells the story of Jesus' life. So, so Luke in 21, um, I really don't even need to set it up. They're, they're in the temple. They're like in church like you are today. Listen to what this says. So I'm in the first verse right away. So Luke 21, 1. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And I find that interesting right, right away. So Jesus is watching people give. So if he's specifically watching it, you know that it means a lot to him. You know that it matters to him for some reason. Like, and then we think, rich people, well, they're not talking about me. Well, he is. He is talking about us. And if you don't know about that, you can go back and watch week two of this series, and you'll find out real quickly, if you were born in this country and you live in this country, you are rich. Okay? Say, I'm rich. Okay, you said it, but I don't know if you believe it. But we'll get there, okay? So, you are rich. Okay, so he's watching you and I put our offering in the collection box. So listen to what it says. Then a poor widow... And a widow in this day and age was very, very low on a totem pole. They didn't have anything, okay? She's already lost her husband. She's poor, but watch what she does. So a widow came by and she dropped in two small coins. Now, now the, another, another translation says mites. Another one says pennies. It's a very, very low currency, okay? It's nothing, hardly. So she gives two cents. And Jesus in verse 3, he says, I tell you the truth. I got to tell you, when I put this message together, it hit me. How many times have I told you in the last five weeks, maybe six, almost every scripture we've looked at, you can go back and listen. I hear Jesus saying that. I've never noticed it before. I know Jesus is the truth. I know he spits the truth every time he talks. I just never realized how many times he says, I tell you the truth. And I think about, why, Jesus, why do you keep telling us you're going to tell us the truth? You know why I think he's telling us that and why it's, why it's hitting me so much right now? Because I think we live in a world that's so far from truth, that is so far from, and what Jesus does is so countercultural to what we live in today. It is. So I think Jesus is saying, listen, what I'm about to say is going to sound insane. So I just need to remind you, this is the truth, okay? It's going to sound nuts. You're not going to understand it. You don't need to. Just trust me. I tell you. I think that's why he's saying, I'm reminding you, this is the truth you're about to hear. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. Hmm. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything. Say everything. Everything she has. So Jesus, that doesn't, I'm glad you told me that's the truth because I don't get it. I mean, she gave two pennies and there's rich people giving a lot more than two pennies. And Jesus said she gave the most. Because Jesus is telling us here, I don't just look at the portion that you're giving. I look at the proportion that you have left. So it's way bigger than about, because we, we always focus on how much am I giving, how much am I giving, how much this, how much that. And Jesus said, how much do you still have left? What are you still keeping? And it's so interesting that he says that. And, I, 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 and you know what he's doing? Here's what Jesus is doing. Remember, he's watching. So Jesus cares about people. He's not, and Jesus isn't watching, making sure oh, you're giving and you're doing your right thing. He isn't doing it with a heavy hand or anger in his heart. He's doing it in love. That's what he's doing. As he watches them give, he's just watching and, and, he's, and, he, and he's not mad at them. He wants something for them. Say, for me. It's for you. This is for you. So Jesus says, I have something for you. So G, And you know what else he's doing? He's measuring the condition of their heart. And you may be like, what? You mean he's measuring the condition of their finances? Or the condition of their pocketbook? No. No, I don't. He's measuring the condition of their heart. How we handle money and why Jesus talks about that topic more than anything else is because it's probably the number one indicator of where you're at spiritually. It was for me. I'll just tell you, in my life, it was. How we handle money is one of the best measurements of our spiritual condition. And this woman, this widow with nothing, digs in her purse or her pocket and shoves it all in. Two cents, two pennies. Puts it in. And Jesus says, I got her heart. She trusts me. She loves me. I'll guarantee that woman had blessings like you and I may never see. Gave everything. So, you know, and you know what the woman knew? You know what the widow knew? Here's why she could do that. Because how can you give it all? I mean, are you kidding me? You don't even, Jesus doesn't even command that, but she does it. You know how she does it? Check this out. She knew it was never hers in the first place. She knew it was never hers. She knew it was never hers. 
See, can I give you a scripture? I mean, we're in church. We should get in the Bible. Let's do this together. Uh, Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything. Say everything. Everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. It's not ours. Turn to one neighbor and say, it's not yours. Tell your neighbor, it's not yours. Now turn to the other neighbor, the one you ignored the first time, and say, it's not yours either. Okay? It ain't yours, or it ain't yours, and it ain't yours. It's God's. It is God's. And what we tend to think is we tend to think, you know what? I earned it. I went to college for it. I studied for it. I went to trade school. I've got the know-how. I, I got the gumption. I'm the entrepreneur. I went out and I took a chance. Listen to me. The only reason any of those things happen is because of God. Any of them. Every material thing that you own, everything, is a byproduct of the time, the talent, and the treasure that God has given you. It's the only, it, that's why. That is it. And God wants us to remember we're just hold, we're managers, but we're not owners. Okay? So let me do a quick illustration. Pete, come up, come up, to, the, come up to the stand here. Use that nice step right there. Um, Pete, if you don't know Pete, Pete oversees the finances of our church. Praise God for Pete. Okay? Praise God for Pete. If your pastor oversaw the finances, we would all be in Aruba right now, like having church one time, partying, and it would be over because money would be gone, okay? So praise God for Pete. He's got a tall order keeping track of what's going on in the church. So Pete, let's just do an illustration. Got some cash here. Five, it's $10 bills, but let's pretend they're hundreds because it makes it more impactful. So I'm going to call them hundreds. So I don't always tell the truth, do I, Pete? So let's, these are hundreds. And there's five of them. So I'm the, let's say I'm the owner, right? These are mine, but I give them to Pete. And I say, Pete, those, those are mine, but I'm going to let you manage them. You take care of them. Um, and by the way, Pete, uh, to start by managing those, give, give one of those away. So just pick somebody in the front row and give it away. Don't pick Casey. Don't pick Casey. I thought, you know, Pete, I just tested your heart. I thought he was going to go straight to his wife, you know, sweetie. <laughs> So we just paid the mortgage on Okay, so good job, Pete. You passed the first test of three. So, um, so Pete gives one away. Was that difficult for Pete? Not really, for two reasons. Number one, he, he, I, just, I told him, Pete, it's not yours, it's mine, but you are managing it. You're going to take care of it. So he knows it's not his. Number two, the reason he could give it away so freely is because he hasn't had it that long. I mean, he just got it like 45 seconds ago. So he's not holding on to it that long. But, but let's say I do the same thing and I give Pete the money and then I go away and I'm like, Pete, that's, you know, you manage that, you take care of that. And I go away for six months. Okay. And I come back and I'm like, Pete, hey, bud. Hey, remember that money I gave you? Uh, first thing Pete's going to say is, what money? Yeah. Right. Of course, Pete went to the gambling hall, didn't you, Pete? Um, so, so, and I'm like, Pete, hey, that money from six months ago, can you give some of that away? Give, give another, give another bill away. All of a sudden, Pete's like, what, 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 you know, what money? And all of a sudden, he's asking to me, who are you? And you don't know me anymore because he's done something else with the money because the money went from be remembering it's mine. All of a sudden, over that six months, it becomes his because he's had it and he's held on to it and it's in his hands and he's gotten used to it. See, this is what happens when we hold on so tightly with our money. Pete, give me that before you get, you're holding on to that kind of tightly. So thank you. Give it up for Pete. So, so. This, this, is, this is what we do, though. When we hold on to it, we forget whose it is. It, everything in our life. So, and we hold on to it sometimes with a clenched fist, like, oh. And, and, we, and here's what we think. We think, you know what? The more I hold on to it and the more I get and keep, the more I'll have. It's, 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 it's reverse thinking. God's, God's math is completely different. So God says, Monty, you've got such a clenched fist. How can I bless you when you, your, your hand's not even open to receive it? You can't receive what I want to give you because you're, and also the clenched fist, what is that? That's like an international symbol for anger. It's like, oh, this is mine. You ever somebody shake their fist at you because they're mad? There's actually, there's actually two international signs of anger I found out. I mean, this is one of them, but you need to understand, like, when I cut people off in traffic, which I don't do it on purpose, okay? I'm just a bad driver. I'm just being honest with you. Okay, so when I cut people off in traffic, they, have, they literally, they have given me that international sign, but then they add something to it. And I don't want to show you what that is, but there, I'm just saying there's two, there's two signs, okay? Let's just leave it at that. But there are, there's more than one. So, but we forget whose it is. We forget that all blessings flow from God. 
And, and, and that's, what, so that's why we talk about tithing. So tithing is a reminder. It reminds us that, you know what? None of this is mine. It's all God's, right? That's, that's one of the principles of tithing. If you don't know what tithing is, it's, it's a principle that dates back to Adam and Eve, the beginning of time. It's where God says, of, your, of the things you bring in, he, I ask for 10% back. Okay? You can't, you can't give it to God. It's not yours to give. Sometimes I even say the wrong thing. I'm like, we're going to give an, well, an offering is above and beyond. But a tithe, that's not yours. That's God's. You return it to God. You bring it to God because it's his. And it's a command. But what people miss about that, they think that, and, and, and why most people don't do that, is because they literally think that they can't afford it. But I'm going to show you something in scripture. This is why I have something for you. Say for me. This is for you. Don't get tense like we want something from you. Please don't. And if you, th- if you hear that, I hope by the end of this service, you'll understand it. In the last book of the Old Testament, um, after the last book of the Old Testament, what you may not know is God went silent for 400 years. I'm going to say that again. After, after the Old Testament, after Malachi, that's the last book, and then the next book is Matthew, when Jesus comes on the scene as a child. It, between the old and the new, 400 years We hear nothing from God, nothing that's recorded in Scripture. So we know that whatever God is going to say here, I mean, it's going to be very impactful. It's going to be very important. It's going to be very big because God is saying, listen to me, I'm telling you something, and then I'm not talking for quite a long time. So God, what are you going to say? And he says it to Malachi. Malachi's a prophet, and then the prophet tells the people. So in Malachi 3, verse 8, God's literally speaking, and he says, should the people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. Say, what do you mean? Thank you for asking that question. That's what they asked. They said, what do you mean? We don't get it. What do you mean we cheated you, God? When did we ever cheat you? And God says, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. Okay, because I've commanded you since the beginning of time to return 10. You've cheated me from it. So they're not, and he's talking to the priest. He's talking to the Levite. He's talking to everybody. And then what he says in verse 9 is big. He says, you're under a curse. Now, we will hear that and we'll think, oh, that's, that's Old Testament talk. That's old times. Curses don't happen. I mean, that's like witchcraft. I'm telling you. Do you believe in blessings? Yeah. So if you believe in blessings from God, then you have to believe in curses. You have to. Because anytime there can be a blessing, there can be a curse. And they still exist today. So God says, you're under a curse. The whole nation's been cheating me. And then he says that, Bring. Not give. You can't give what's not yours. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. Bring all, excuse me, the tithes into the storehouse. You want something from us, don't you, God? You, you, you want to take something that's mine, don't you, church? No. No. If you never give a dime to this church, I'll love you. I'll walk with you. I'll just tell you that there's something, there's an area of your life that you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out. Uh, bring all your tithes to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And the storehouse is the local church. You can do that research yourself, but you can study back to what that, that term uh, literally means um, in the Hebrew. It's the local church. So there will be enough food in my temple. And, then, and this is what people miss because they hear that scripture and they're like, ah, you want 10% of my money. Okay, it's not your money, remember? We got to remember what scripture says. It's not your money and God doesn't want it. He doesn't even, he, he does want it. He doesn't need it. Some people say, well, God, you need my money. God don't need our money. God needs nothing from us. He's God. He doesn't need it. Okay. Well, the church needs it. Church don't need it either. I'll, I'll tell you, this church, whether you, whether you give your tithe or not, this church will reach people for Jesus. This church will, this church will never stop growing because God's hand is on us. But, but I tell you what, we could do more if people got about the Father's business. So what people forget is this. We close off when we hear this scripture, but don't close off. Remember, the whole point is God has something for you. It's for you. Again, Jesus, why would you talk about money so much? I love you. Why do you care about, why are you staring at me when I'm giving my offering? Because I love you. Why do you talk, why, why so much about finance? Because I love you. No, you want something from me. He's like, you're, you're, no, no, I'm Jesus. All I do is want something for you. What do you want for me? God says it. If you do what I'm asking and you bring your tithes to the storehouse, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven. Like, do we believe in God's word? Like, do we believe that God, that, that this is the true word of God? It's, we, this is literally God speaking. 
I will open the windows of heaven for you. You want something for me? Yes. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. And he says, try it. Put it to the test. Put me to the test. God is literally begging us. And you know why he does it? You know why he says, put me to the test? The only time in scripture he says it? Because he knows it's going to be hard. He knows you're going to have a hard time letting go. He knows that. He created you. But he's literally begging you, try it. Do it for three months. Watch what I do. I, I never believed it. I never trusted this. God doesn't need anything from us. It's not about money at the end of the day. It's about our heart. See, when God has your heart, things will, your money will come. His money will come. It'll happen. But I'm very open about this. And this is why I'll never preach like, I've got it all figured out, trust me. My cash and my, 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 my money, that's the last thing I would give God. It's the last thing I would give God. I'd be embarrassed to tell you how long it took me to finally trust God with this scripture. And that he meant what he said, that he'll bless me. I didn't believe it. I, I, God, it doesn't, that math doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But it leads us to the main point. You will never get ahead. Because what's the title? How can I get ahead? You will never get ahead until you trust God with all your heart. You won't. This is what's crazy about God. And when I saw the illustration, see, sometimes, again, I'm hard-headed. I, I think I got things figured out a lot of times in my life. And God has shown me um, otherwise many times. But one illustration that I saw that my pastor did changed things for me. And I want to show it to you. I want to get up close and personal too. So, so Casey, you want to bring, bring over my snack? These are M&Ms. I'm using M&Ms for two reasons. Number one, I'm hungry. And number two, they're, oh, they're peanut butter M&Ms because those are God's favorite. So I'm just saying. So let's do a fun illustration. So I always got to test them just like with my kids' food to make sure it's not poisonous. No, that's good. That's good. So let's do this. So these are my M&Ms, Okay. They're mine. And Casey, pay attention. So these are mine. So I got buddies. I got friends. And me and my friends are hanging out, right? I went and got these M&Ms from the store. They're my M&Ms, right? But I got a buddy here. Well, let's call him. He's invisible, but we're gonna, we like to pretend a lot in this church. We make stuff up. So Jimmy. Me and Jimmy are hanging out. Jimmy's my, one of my best friends. Jimmy loves me, and I love Jimmy. We like going to the creek and hanging out and doing fun stuff. So Jimmy sees my M&Ms. And he's excited because he likes them too. And I said, Jimmy, I love you and I love Jesus, so I'm going to share with you. That's how much I love you, Jimmy. So here's what we're going to do. They're mine, but I'm going to share with Jimmy. So Jimmy, let's divvy them up, okay? All right, Jimmy. They're mine, so I'm going to do this. One for you, two for me, okay? One for you, and two for me. One for Jimmy, two for Monty. One for you, two for me. Now you might think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Get over there. You might think, that's not fair. You're, Jimmy gets one and you get two. But you know what? Jimmy is not complaining. Do you know why? Because 10 seconds ago, Jimmy had none. Jimmy didn't have any M&Ms. So as we divvy these up, Jimmy's not mad that my pile's bigger than his. Jimmy's actually excited because he had none. And they're mine. And I'm choosing to share with him. So as we divvy them up, Jimmy's pile gets bigger. Mine's also getting bigger. And at the end of the day, we get them all divided up. Jimmy's pretty happy because Jimmy has all these M&Ms and he had none. And he knows at the end of the day, I bought them. I mean, they're mine. I could have chose to be selfish and keep them all for myself, but I didn't because I love Jimmy and we're friends and we hang out. So Jimmy's happy. I'm happy. And that's how it works. So how does God treat us, you and I? This is what's crazy. So God, no, who's, whose is it at the end of the day? Who owns it all? God, we said that. Psalm, remember Psalm 24, 1 said, it's all God's, everything in it. So it's all God's. Everything you have, anything good in your life is from God. Please never forget that. And this is what the Lord says to us. And this blows me away, Father, that, that you, I, I, God says, you know what? Come here. This, these are mine. I love you. Let's divide them up, okay? Because we're friends. I want to just divide them with you and I. They're mine, but I'm not going to do one, two, because I don't work that way. So he says, one for me, nine for you. One for me, nine for you. One for me, 
nine for you. And this is how God divides it up. And we think about this, and it's like, it blows me away. And we have a hard time with the one. And I get it. I did too. Trust me. But this is what you need to understand about the entire illustration and what I didn't know. When we talk about curses, they're real. Blessings, they are real. They don't go away. They've always been. They always will be. That's how God blesses. God curses too. So um, here's what happens. In our head, see, we keep all 10 and we think, I have to. God, I can't. I got to pay the rent. I got to pay the bills. I got to, my kids in, you know, soccer. I mean, I got all these things, God. And we think, I don't get it, God. And God's like, understand how I'm dividing this up. And what happens is the nine with God's blessing will go farther than the 10 that you keep. Does that make sense? Because why? Because there's a blessing on the nine. God, it's less. No, 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 you don't get it. I have something for you. It's more. You don't understand. It's more. It's blessed by God supernaturally. So you can keep the 10, but it, it won't go as far. It's not got my hand on it. See, we live in a spiritual world. It's a spiritual battle. So, but God's math is so different than ours. So that's, so tithing is spiritual warfare. It literally is spiritual warfare. Like if you don't believe in the devil, you don't believe in the demons. First of all, you've never been to Walmart. I'll tell you that, okay? Oh my gosh, you know the demons hang out there? And you know what they do? I'll tell you what they do. They, those, those grocery bags that are so thin you can see right through, they, they put little pinholes in the bottom of those. So then when I go and pick up my dog's poop with them, I mean, they think it's funny. Oh, I hate the devil. He's a jerk. But I'm telling you, it is spiritual warfare. So remember Malachi? I, I just read you Malachi 3.10 or 8 through 10. Let me read verse 11 real quick. Remember, God just gave you a promise. Do you believe that he'll open the windows of heaven? 9-1, 9-1. The windows of heaven get opened when, 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 when you have nine. But you keep it all, they don't. So, so he opens the windows of heaven, and look what he says in verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Okay, what? You mean when I get about your business and trust you and do what you're saying and return one or return the 10%, you're going to rebuke the devil? Yes. I will rebuke the devourer. We think Jesus or God's just talking about money. No, no, no. It's way bigger than money. It is way bigger than money. God, he doesn't, his blessings are way bigger than what you can dream or imagine. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall a vine fail to bear fruit in your field. You love your family. I already know that about you. You would do anything to love and protect your family. If you've got kids, you would do that. Your loved ones, you would do that. So at night, what do we do? I want to protect my family at night. So I, especially if I watch a scary movie, I'm all freaked out. So I don't know why I do that to myself. It's torture. But I lock all the doors and I check them twice and I shut the window. You know, everything is locked down. I mean, it's locked down tight. You can't get in it. And then you ever had this happen after you locked the house down? I've just done this recently. Kind of embarrassing. So the next day I wake up and I open the front door and I look, garage door's wide open. I'm like, oh my gosh. I locked the entire house, left the garage door wide open. It's like, wow. Well, Jody, we're lucky we're still alive. There's killers all over the place and we live through it. So that's, <laughs> I just, I'm like, but that's what we do. It's like, we're locking everything down, God. And God's like, you've got the garage door wide open. And it's so amazing. Like, like, we have a program here to help people with this. It's called Financial Peace. We just got done with a class, nine weeks. So Dave Ramsey teaches the course. Dave is well off now. He, Dave's never going to have to really probably worry a lot about his finances. But I'll tell you, you, you may not know all of Dave's story. See, Dave, he wasn't always well off. So Dave and his family were heading to bankruptcy. Some of you, you might, that might sound, that might be personal right now. Maybe that's you. Listen to this. Dave didn't find Christ. He didn't surrender his life to Christ until he was an adult. He didn't, later in life, he found Jesus. And by faith, he just started to trust that what the Bible said was true. And he started reading scriptures, like Luke that we read, and Malachi that we read, and he believed it. He didn't know any better. It's like, okay, well, it says to do it, I'm going to do it. But Dave, you're insane. You're going backwards and your family is going to be bankrupt. You know how, what that does to a life? You know what that does? But Dave start tithing. It's like, okay, that's nuts. And you might think, okay, here's what the pastor's going to say. He start tithing, and he didn't, you know, he came back out, and God showed up, and blessings, and no. 
You know what happened in Dave's life? He kept going this way. It's like, what? I thought the blessings come. Well, blessings don't always look like you think they're going to look like. Okay? God was setting him up for a blessing. He couldn't see it. That's trust. So he keeps tithing and keeps going backwards. Pretty soon he's in bankruptcy. Guess what he did? What I would, can I tell you what I would do? Uh, like before I really understood this, I would quit tithing. I would. That's the first thing I'd pull. 10%? Are you kidding me? We're going bankrupt. Not tithe. Are you what? I would. I'm just being honest. Okay? He didn't. He keeps tithing all the way into bankruptcy and all the way out. So as God, as, think about that. That is a test. Put me to the test. That's what the scripture said. Well, I guess Ramsey put him to the test. He said, my gosh, I'm going backwards, God. But you said, test me. I'm going to keep trusting. It doesn't make sense. We're going backwards. And God says, do you believe I'm who I said I am? Either we believe it or we don't. He keeps tithing out of it. Well, if you don't know Dave's story, he, he used the principles that he was learning in God's word to start a program called Financial Peace. Now he's not only very well off, but he's helping millions and millions of people find freedom the way he found it. But we think, oh, he found it the easy He didn't find it the easy way. He, he would never be where he is today if he wouldn't have kept trusting God on the downward hill. But he keeps trusting when it doesn't make sense. God, I thought you were supposed to bless me. God's like, you're getting blessed. I'm setting you up. See, I'm setting you up to do something that only I can do. It is amazing. And what we'll say to God, God, I can't afford to do it right now. I can't afford, I mean, I'll get there when I make more, we get this figured out, or the braces get paid off, then I'll tithe. I can't do it. And God says, you'll never be able to do it. That's the key. Ramsey couldn't afford it. He kept doing it. You won't be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You will not be able to afford to tithe until you tithe because that's when the blessings are on you. This is what I never knew, you guys. I never knew it. No one ever taught it to me that way. I always thought the church, just asking for 10%, that's crazy, that's way too much money, I ain't doing it. Never. In my wildest dreams, I've never given more away. And I don't even give enough away. Don't, I don't want to act like I'm all generous. I'm, my heart's pretty wicked a lot of days. So, but I've never given more away, never had more. It's weird. And I'm not just preaching prosperity like money's going to rain down. It didn't for Ramsey. He just kept trusting God. By the way, we had 22 people go through Financial Peace University in nine weeks. They cut up 25 credit cards and paid off almost $80,000 of debt in nine weeks. Nine weeks. How do you do that? How does somebody do that? Do you know the number one thing they'll teach you in that course when you look at Ramsey's budget? The number one thing on the budget? Tithe. It's the first thing. You'd think that'd be kind of last. I mean, I got to pay my mortgage. I got to pay my electricity. Ramsey knows something because of his, his life. He knows if you don't do that first, you'll, you'll never get ahead. It, it, you, you will never get ahead. And it's so hard to understand because in our mind we think, well, gosh, less is less. And God says it's not less, it's not yours. But when you trust me with it, I'll bless you. And blessings are always more. We started this today. I'm going to close out with Luke again. Remember Luke 1 through 4, the woman, the widow, giving the offering, remember that? So it's interesting because God's, remember Jesus said she's given more than anybody else and she only gave two pennies? It's so weird. I wasn't even going to include this in the scripture, but God showed it to me, verses 5 and 6. And it hit me. I've got to share something with you. Right after God says she's given more than anybody else, Luke, Luke 21, 5 says, some of the disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on all the walls and Jesus says to them you know a time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished not one stone will be left on top of another and I'm thinking to myself wow they're marveling at the artwork they're marveling at the majesty of the temple and this is the most beautiful sacred building in the world at that time and Jesus said It'll be destroyed. And I don't think Jesus cared. I don't think he cared. I'll get real with you just because that's who I am. Uh, not that long ago, part of the Notre Dame Cathedral burnt, right? That's a bad thing. That, that, that is a bad thing. And I want that rebuilt like anybody else. But, but can, I, can I tell you something? I heard that billionaires, you know, came out of the woodwork. They, you know, they raised a billion dollars in a day. That's how much that meant to people. A billion dollars in a day for 
for stained glass, steel, and wood. Now, is it a majestic piece of building? Sure. Should it be rebuilt? Sure, I guess. I really don't care, to be honest. I don't care. I don't think Jesus cares. I see all this stuff on social media, people literally weeping and bawling. Oh, what a trap. Oh, I don't think Jesus is in heaven weeping and bawling over a part of a building being gone. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares. A billion dollars. Because you're going to come out and make a difference in something that will be gone in 200 years. Again, I'm not saying don't rebuild it, but I'm just saying, what the heck? Jesus just said, you guys, who cares? It's going to be demolished. It's not eternal. We got people dying and going to hell. I know people that are addicts like I was. They're literally dying this morning. Raising money for building, whatever. And we can't invest in something that matters in someone's life. Loving somebody who's struggling or hurting or lonely. I just, I just don't know if that's God's plan that Jesus Christ is in heaven worried about a temple. Oh my gosh, we're going to step up and make a difference. Go ahead. It'll be gone again. I just want to get about the Father's business. I can't speak for other churches. I'll speak for Meadows. And I'll tell you that in this church, eventually we're going to have a building. I get it. This is temporal right here. And we, you know, it'll be great. We'll gather there. But that's not the church. You're the church. And I'll tell you this. The building that we do have, it won't be a great thing to look at. It just won't. I hope it's nice. I want it to be nice for people because I think that you deserve that. But there won't be a lot of stained glass. There won't be a lot of architecture or stat. There just won't be a lot of statues. You won't see a lot of that. See, I, Meadows, we're going to invest not in property, but we're going to invest in people. That's what we believe makes a difference in the world. Okay? So we're not some museum for the saints. We're a hospital for sinners, for the broken, for the lonely, for the hurting, for the downtrodden. I'm telling you what, that's who matters to God. That's who I want to love. I could care less about a building. Technology. The devil's in technology too, just so you know. What could we do as a church if we had people that would say, you know what? Forget a cathedral. I'll invest in people. We don't, I don't even need people. I don't need billionaires. I joke about Buffett coming to the church. I don't, even, we don't, I don't need anything. We don't need that. I just want people to get under the umbrella of tithing so you can be blessed. Because if, we tithe, if everyone ties, oh my gosh, we'll have enough money to build, build a church ourselves and we'll have millions left over to reach people for Jesus. I, that's what we would do. I don't, want, I don't ever want to do a capital campaign. No, let's raise money. Who cares? Let's just get about the Father's business so we can be blessed and others can be blessed as well. That's why God put the principle in place. To bless you and then others through it. It's weird how it works. Don't rely on the government. The government doesn't have the power to change the world. It's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the power to change the world. That's what we need to invest in. And I'll tell you my heart. As we love people and people start to get under the umbrella of tithing, this is, what I, this is one thing I want to do. And God laid it on my heart. I, we live in a community of, of military. And we're, I'm so grateful. Never understood how big it was in this area until I moved here. And I got a neighbor woman that lives two houses down, and her husband's gone on deployment. And I'm thinking, she don't come here, and I don't care. I want to love her anyway. It's not just about us. It's about everybody else. And I think, what if we were that church that when someone's on deployment, I just don't think it's the government's... I mean, what if the church were the people that would say, you know what? When your spouse is on deployment, we will take care of you. We will love you. We will feed you. We'll watch after you. We'll make sure that you're taken care of while your husband or wife takes care of the great country that we live in. That's what I want to do. I'll invest in that all day long. Man, we'll never get ahead until God has our heart. What's the first and greatest commandment as we close? The first and greatest commandment of everything else. Love the Lord your God. You know it with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. Are we really doing that? This might ruffle some feathers, but most, most people don't tithe. I was that most of my life. Like over 90% of Christians don't tithe. Here's what we can't say. I can't say that I love God with all of my heart 
if I don't under, if I don't if I don't believe this area, if I don't trust him in this area. And I'm not I'm not judging you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not. I hope you hear my heart. I was I'm embarrassed how long it took me, but when it clicked, when I, when I saw these and, and, and I, but only until I start doing it did it did it really click. But if I'm not tithing, I'm not trusting God with all my heart. But, I, but you need to know my heart. My heart is cheap. Jo, talk to my wife, Jody. She'll tell you. There's not many guys in the world cheaper than me. Honestly. My first car was a 1987 Honda Accord sedan with a spoiler. It's hot. White. Had some rust. That just added a little character. And uh, that car, when I first got it, it was freezing cold, much like this winter. And I busted the door handle to get in. So the outside door handle to the driver's side. So I went and priced it out, much like I priced your braces, Ava. The results were like your braces. I'm like, I am, no, I, I don't need a door handle. I'll make do. Well, so I did make do for the next two years. I literally climbed through the passenger seat every day. That's how, I just want, you need to know how cheap I am, okay? Just setting, just letting you know. Pray for your pastor. I'm still cheap. So, but I would literally crawl in the passenger side. I remember going on, a, I had a date with a gal <laughs> I think she thought, oh my gosh, what a gentleman. He's going to open the door for me. And then I commenced crawling through the car. She's like, <laughs> that was our last date. First and last. So um, I, I share that with you because giving is the last thing I would do. And returning to God, the tithe, was nothing that I ever saw myself doing until I started to do it. But now I look forward to it. And for me to tell you that, that is not me. That is God. My heart can be wicked. When I get paid, it's the first thing I do, and, and, and I have joy. Never thought I'd say those words. I have joy in returning 10%. That is a miracle from God. That is not me. That is God. But, I, uh, but I'm looking at what God's doing in my life, and you need to understand, I shared earlier, I was an addict. My life was over. It was done. And God would raise me up out of a place where I was and set me on solid ground. And he asked me to return 10% to him. And now I'm, now I'm teaching it to my, my family, and, and last week, and I preached the 9 o'clock service. Ava, you paying attention? All right. So um, I got off the stage, and Ava's like, she meets me, and she's got a wad of money in her hand. And she's like, Dad, and she babysat, so she made some money. And she goes, Dad, I brought my tithe. And I'm like, that's awesome, sweetie. And then you know what she said? And I brought, I brought extra. And I'm like, wow. I didn't tell her to do that. And I'm not, I'm not that great of a dad. You just need to know that. And what... That's God working on her heart. And you know what gave me joy that when, when she said that? Because she was going to go back and put it in the vase, and I knew God was watching. Just like Jesus watched in the temple, God's watching her. And you know what he's saying to Ava? That's my daughter. I have her heart. I'm going to bless her. And I desperately want blessings for my family. I've done so much damage in my family, I can't begin to describe it to you. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to make up for what I've done. I just don't know. I just want them blessed. I want my family blessed. So when I see that God's blessing them, I, I, it brings me great joy. Like, I want, I want blessings, and you want blessings. And she's getting God's attention, and God's looking at her. And I can't, I can't not talk about the gospel when I talk about giving. I can't. Because God gave so much to me. A guy that doesn't deserve salvation. A guy that doesn't deserve anything good. The things I've done in my life, the people I've hurt. But yet God would look down and say, you know what? I love you, and I died on a cross for you. And I wouldn't surrender everything, God. I, I can't trust you in that area. And finally, I trusted him. And I've seen blessings like I can't begin to describe to you. And for those of you here today, maybe you haven't surrendered this area or another area. Doesn't matter. Today, God wants you to know that he literally died on a cross for you. And then he rose three days later. Understand this miracle. That without that, we're, we, we have no hope. And hell is our home. But because Jesus loves us so much, he did it. And now heaven can be our home if we surrender our life to him and believe in the gospel that he was dead and then alive and takes away our sins. How can't I give back to that? How can't I return what is yours? You've done so much in my life. He's so good to me. But I say that and there's some people here that you don't think you're worth it. And you don't think you're valuable. And you don't think that you matter. I know there are people that think that because there are some days I still think it. And I'll share with you what I've shared before. Your value is not worth, your, your value is not based on the mess that you made. Your value is based on the price that Jesus Christ paid. You want to know what your worth is? It's worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That's big. Give God some praise for that. Oh, Father.
need you in this place. I know this is a challenging message. I, I hope you know that it's God's word you're hearing. Study it for yourself. But please, it's for you. It's for you. And, and you, you'll never understand it until you do it. I'll close with a quick story of a woman in, in financial peace. She starts to give. She wasn't even tithing, but she started to give for the first time to the church. And that was hard for her. Her life would look like Dave Ramsey's maybe, going the trending in a bad direction. But she wants the blessing. And, and God, it was amazing because you think, well, you got to tithe. She couldn't do it. She couldn't. She had to, I said, just take a step. So she took a small step. And she writes me an email. She says, Monty, I cannot believe this. Like, I've been in this job for years. I started to give back a little bit back to God or return to God. She gets a $2 hour rate, $2 an hour raise, and which is a $4,000 increase. Way more than what she was returning back. And I'm like, you know what? That is God walking with you. That is God saying, just try it. Put me to the test. I'm holding your hand. You take a step. I I'll show you. I'm here. I I'm with you. I'm blessing you. God wants you to know that he, he doesn't need anything from you. It's for you. I never understood it. I always thought you're trying to get it from me. God's like, why? But it was challenging for me. So here's what I would say to you. Maybe like that woman, you'll just take a step. Maybe you can't do the, you don't think you can do the tithe. Just start taking a step. Whatever that is. Maybe it's an automatic whatever every week. If you need help with a budget, write budget on your connection card. We will literally meet with you for 45 minutes to look at your budget with you and walk you with that. I don't want to just preach these things and then they not help you get there, okay? Our next financial peace class probably won't be until maybe later this year. So if you need help now, we'll sit down with you now. I'll, we'll do it. I love you. We'll walk with you. But start, start doing, take this step. And trust me, I'm not, I don't want nothing from you. We've been blessed so much in our family and in our lives. I want that for you. And if you need to surrender an area of your life to Jesus Christ today, please, please, please don't leave here until you do. It might be this area. Because 95% surrender is no surrender at all. So if you haven't surrendered everything, including this area of finance, let us pray with you. Let us help you. I will not judge you. I'm the last person that can judge you. Trust me. I love you. And God loves you more. Father, thank you so much for your truth and your word. Um, I always wondered, God, why you would talk about finance more than anything else. I didn't understand it until I started getting into the scriptures. And then I saw illustrations like the M&Ms. And it hit me in a way that it never hit me before. And, and to say that I trusted you immediately with everything would be a lie. It took me time. And you really had to work on my heart. God, I know that you want to work on people's hearts today. I pray that this will become an... This will eventually be a topic where they will, they, will, they will share stories like that one story and they will see blessings like none other because they're under your umbrella and they're under your blessings. I want blessings for this church. I want blessings for your people in a big way. You're very clear how we can get them. It's just not easy because of our heart and the way that we're wired, but that's why you talked about it because you knew, it, you knew we would struggle. You knew it would be hard for us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to save us from our sins and ourself. God, for anybody that needs to surrender everything, I pray they do it right now. And let us pray with them and walk with them. If they do, God, the world will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody says, amen.